Welcome to Where There Is Hope. Here we offer inspiration and encouragement from the Bible. With Travis Renfro, I'm John Lindsay. We're glad you're here. What do you think about when you when someone says the word illness? You know, when someone talks about sickness, what are the images that come to somebody's mind? And that's what I want us to talk about this morning, uh, John, as we, as we enter into our third episode now of the podcast. I want us to think about something that everybody deals with, and that is the problem of sickness and death. And I have personal experience with this. I think most people have personal experience with this. And so, John, I'm curious, like, have, what are some of your, if you don't want to dive into these, you don't have to, this is very off the cuff, but what are some of your experiences with sickness with someone you care about? Uh, well, I've experienced several people I know get cancer and um, be taken from this life by cancer. Uh, I also know people with different, uh, all kinds of different ailments and things that suck the life out of them. Uh, for one reason or another, and uh, illness, the, the the times I've seen it, illness on this earth always ends in death. Yeah, and I think that's uh, it's the universal problem, right? There, there's no one ever born on this earth, or whoever will be, ever will be born on this earth, uh, that will not experience sickness and death unless they are here when Jesus comes back. That's it's a universal problem. It's something that everybody deals with. Um, as John, as you know, I lost my father and my stepfather in about a, less than 90 days uh, at the end of 2019 and beginning of 2020. Um, it's something that, again, everyone, everyone deals with and everyone feels. And there's inevitably this sadness um, that comes along with illness, terminal illness especially. How does it affect people's faith? Have you seen illnesses directly affect someone's faith? Oftentimes when I see it, it is because people have realized that this life is not unending. And they realize that they need to start looking at what's next. And uh, oftentimes that ends with them bolstering their faith. Or um, the, the quite opposite direction, I've also seen people who just get so frustrated with the way that their life is going that they lose all semblance of faith. And um, really, I think it's a, it's a huge test of your faith when you're faced with pending death. I agree. There, there is something about dealing with terminal illness that um, just, it's a tipping point in faith. Uh, you either get stronger or it can, it can really eradicate uh, your faith as you lose hope. Uh, and it, it, can, it can be devastating. And another thing about it is, is it reminds us of how fragile we are. Um, you know, often, you know, especially when you're younger, uh, and I'm not as young as I used to be, um, you know, you, you start recognizing, or when you're younger, you feel strong, you feel invincible, you're 10 feet tall, you're bulletproof. Um, and time teaches you something very different. Uh, time teaches you that you are very fragile. Uh, and sickness and illness, especially, again, terminal illness, um, really drives that point home that we are you know we're we're not made to last you know in these bodies and that's a difficult thing 
So what I wanted this to consider uh, is a story in John chapter 11, because I think Jesus really addresses this um, not through a parable, um, but through a real life story um, wherein someone that Jesus loves gets very sick. And you'll be very familiar with the story more than likely. Uh, In John chapter 11, I'm going to read the first six verses or so. It says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. So, John, you're familiar with the story. Um, Rather than read the entire thing, uh, which is certainly worth your time, tell me what happens next. Um, So he stays, as, as it says, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was, and then Lazarus does die. And when Lazarus dies... He doesn't go immediately. He waits a little bit. And um, how far you want me to go here? You want me to just... <laughs> yeah, let's not spoil the ending just yet. So that's, that's a good place to start. Lazarus does die. So one of the really odd things in this story is Jesus saying, this illness does not lead to death. And then just a few verses later, we find out that Lazarus died. So... The, the elementary question I suppose to ask is, was Jesus wrong when he said that? No. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I was waiting for you to answer. I thought, hey, you know this, right? <laughs> no. It, I mean, it, you do see Lazarus dying, but, well, I can't answer the rest of it without I know, spoiling I know. it. So, yeah, no. I set you up poorly there. I apologize. Yeah, Jesus, of course he wasn't wrong. Um Lazarus was going to die. He was going to, and, and he did. Um, and so I guess before we get into to what happens after that, a very comforting thing is to recognize that Jesus had close personal relationships with people, and especially with people who weren't his apostles. It would make sense that the 12 men that he chose to walk with him while he taught and walked in this life would be very, very close to him. But here uh, in John chapter 11, we also read that he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. So he had a close personal relationship. And that's why it's very odd when we find out that Lazarus is sick. When Jesus, we, we can assume that Jesus knew Lazarus was going to die, even when he made that statement that this illness does not lead to death, that he lingers and he stays for two days. But there's a very good reason why. So, as we go on with the, in the story, Jesus eventually decides that he's going to go and take his apostles and go to Mary and Martha there in this village. And we pick up there in verse 17. It says, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had been dead in the tomb for four days. So, when Jesus gets there, Lazarus is not only dead, like, he's really dead. It's starting to rot. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's a fascinating and almost a little unnerving detail. How do you know he started to rot? What is it that 
John captures in his gospel that tells us that. Well, in verse 39, it says, Jesus says, take away the stone. And then Martha, the sister of the dead man, the sister of Lazarus, says there's going to be an odor because he's been dead for four days. So you can assume that something's going on with his body after four days that uh, would make it stink. And I would assume that's rot. Yeah, so... And this detail is not um, an unnecessary detail. So there's two reasons, I believe, why Jesus waited as long as he did. You know, why there is a four-day, you know, window between when Lazarus passes away and when Jesus arrives. And one of them is that, that the physical decay of Lazarus's body drives home the point that he is definitely dead. Uh, That's indisputable. And then secondly, uh, there, was, there were some Jewish uh, beliefs that the soul of a person lingered, or the spirit of a person lingered over the body uh, for as many as three days before it would depart um, and go on to the afterlife. Uh, that's not biblical. It's, it's nothing that you'll find in Scripture, but it was something that I've, I've read about uh, in a couple commentaries. So this, this passage of time, this four days, really drives home the point to anyone that Lazarus is definitely dead and that that's not disputable. No one can argue otherwise. Before we get to, again, keep teasing, but before we get to actually what happens when Jesus arrives and, um, and the stone is rolled away, there's a conversation with Martha that happens, it starts around verse 20 uh, of John chapter 11. And I think it's just remarkable. It's, it's not, it's not going to be the point of this particular episode, but I don't feel like we can do this episode justice without talking about this briefly. That Martha, when she's encountered with Jesus, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died in verse 21. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. John, had anyone ever been resurrected from the dead that you, you could read about in Scripture, especially someone who'd been dead for four days? Not someone who'd been dead for four days, no. So Martha displays this faith in Jesus that is very remarkable, um, scripturally almost unsupportable, um, from as, at least as far as what she would have experienced or seen or known. So Jesus replies to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So now, not only is Martha saying, you know, Jesus, you can do anything you want, because I know that God will listen to you. But now she's also saying, or professing a faith in the resurrection. And that's when Jesus makes his famous I am statement. I am the resurrection and the life. So again, there's a lot to unpack in that. I don't want to dive real deep into it, but I think it's just, it's a fantastic passage. Um, it speaks to the faith of Martha, which is is very admirable. So when Lazarus is dead, there's the world's most famous or most famous memory verse that every kid wants to memorize for their first memory verse in verse 35. And what does that say, John? Oh, I got this one memorized. Jesus wept. Yeah. Why did Jesus cry? When he, came, when he encountered the, 
the crowd mourning Lazarus. Well, it's as you talked about a few minutes ago. He was Lazarus was his friend, and you know all these people that loved Lazarus were his friends, um, Lazarus's family, and he he doesn't like watching them go through this. He sees the hurt that they're experiencing, and um, it makes him sad. And I think what we talked about earlier when we first started talking about this topic was the, the fact that people's faith is greatly affected by sickness and death. And sometimes when faith suffers, I think it's because we forget this story. When Jesus encounters Lazarus being dead and the people who are mourning him, he feels genuine compassion for them. Um, there are phrases in here like he groans in his spirit, uh, he weeped, he was deeply troubled. Um, the, the, the fra- there's a, a Greek word that is translated in here um, when it says he's groaned in his spirit. That, that word is, is embri maomai, and that word is like a, it's like a deep groaning. Um, literally, it's like a sound a horse makes when it's distressed. So you read all that and you understand that Jesus had this deep emotional connection and he was greatly troubled by death. Even though, and this is not a spoiler, um, we know that Jesus had the power over death. So why, I guess the question is, why does it make sense for someone who has the power over death to be so troubled by it? For me, it goes back to Genesis how it all started that it's a separation from God um, caused by sin and it's a consequence of sin and uh, just to see all, all the damage that it's done over time and to see it affect his personal friends and um, the pain that it causes all these people I think that's what what grieves him here And one of the things that makes Jesus such a great Savior is firsthand experience with suffering that we have in this life. Um, It's not to say that God couldn't understand that. Certainly God could understand that. But more so maybe for us to see that Jesus felt it. Um, That gives us a certain level of comfort. And I agree with you. Sin and death was not the plan. You know, sin and death is not what God wanted. Um, He had a plan to to solve it. He knew that it was going to be an issue. But it's not what God wanted, and it never has been what God wanted. And so Jesus, seeing the pain that it's caused, the firsthand experience that all these people have, um, it does trouble him, and it does upset him. And so I think that's very comforting for us as Christians whenever we want to, when we're suffering over something like this, that we can go to Jesus and know that he recognizes this pain, that he's felt this, um, and that he does have compassion and he sympathizes. So the $64,000 question is, is, what did it mean then when Jesus said this illness does not lead to death? Now we can give away the ending of the story. So, John, what happens? Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Right after um, Mary had, or Martha had made the comment that 
Lazarus's body would, would have an odor because of the decay. Jesus words a prayer out loud so that people could hear it and says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out. So, here's a question for the world. How would you react if you knew that there was a cure for death? John, how would we react if we knew that? It would be the most sought-after thing in the world. Is there a cure for death? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I think so too. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 24 says, speaking of Jesus, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. When Jesus, when Jesus said this illness does not lead to death, I think maybe a better way for us to understand it is this illness does not end in death. Lazarus did die. But Jesus then shows that he has the power over death. The death doesn't defeat God. It goes the other way. And so Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead is foreshadowing. Because this is what happened to Lazarus eventually? He did die. So eventually, even though Lazarus dies and is resurrected in the story, he does go on to again die. Um, so what changes, I guess if you, if you only had the story of Lazarus, you would say death wasn't fully defeated here, but it was, it was staggered. You know, if you think of it like a boxing match, Jesus fighting death, Jesus didn't knock death out, but he knocked him down for, for a five count, a standing eight count, right? And so now death gets back up, says, well, Lazarus is going to die anyway. What's the final blow? wherein death is defeated. Jesus himself comes back from the dead. And what is the difference between Jesus' resurrection and Lazarus' resurrection? Jesus was the Son of God without sin. And so when Jesus is resurrected, he doesn't die again. Instead, he ascends to the Father, and that's where he is now. And so knowing that, Jesus could make this he can make this claim about Lazarus that this illness does not end in death. You know, ultimately, it ended in Lazarus's physical death, but that's still not the end. And I think that's, that's the point. You know, so many times we read about the apostles and we think, man, how did they not get that? You know, in hindsight, it's really easy for us to understand some point that Jesus is making. This is one where I sympathize with the apostles. When Jesus says this illness does not lead to death— they were probably really puzzled by this when they go and find Lazarus dead. This took a whole lot more of the story to be told before you could understand what Jesus was saying. So, there's another illness that affects everybody, and that's the last thing we want to talk about. And it is the cause of sin and death. And what is that illness that affects everybody in the world? Sin. Sin. And how do we know that? What passage in Scripture teaches us that? Well, if you go back to Genesis, it's in Genesis, uh, but you also see it in uh, a couple times in Romans, and I think that's probably where you're 
mm-hmm. headed Romans 3.23 says that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 tells us what the wages of sin are, and it says that that's death. And he contrasts that with the free gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we could look at sin and look at that illness, and we could tell the world sin does not lead to death. It doesn't have to. It does. Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, you put those things together, everyone sins and sin leads, and the wages of sin is death. But we can tell the world it doesn't have to. There is something that you can do that changes that entire narrative. And what is that one thing you can do? Paul writes it out in Romans 6.23. In his contrast, he says, The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so the question is, how do you obtain that, that free gift of God? Yeah, and you enter into that relationship. You know, Romans chapter 6 is a wonderful chapter. Uh, Romans chapter 8 is another one, but um, elsewhere in Romans 6, it talks about what baptism does. And baptism unites us with Jesus' death. And the promise is that if we're united in a death like his, we will be united in a resurrection like his. So Jesus is the answer. When Jesus told them this illness does not lead to death, he was definitely talking about what was happening to Lazarus. But there was this other meaning that illness, sin, doesn't have to lead to death, then I have that answer. And Jesus, again, he was going to reveal that in time. No way the apostles knew that yet, but it was coming. Uh, And now, praise God, we have that truth. We're on this side of the cross, and we can look backwards and understand it. So that's the the concept uh, that I wanted to talk about this morning, is looking at the, the fact of we have a universal problem that everyone in the world deals with and always will. And as Christians, we have an answer. We have a solution. Um, now the question is, will we share that solution? And I hope that we will. Thank you for joining us where there is hope. It is our goal to share the hope and joy that we find in scriptures with you. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can email us at wtihope at gmail.com. Lamentations 3.24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him.